Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber, SB Nation's NFL editor. With me, as always, are Stephen White and Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing really well. Going awesome. Excellent. Well, you've made it through a quarter of the season. How are you feeling? I, it's just crazy how quickly it's gone by. It doesn't feel like we're already at the quarter point. Um, it just feels like we're starting out. Yeah, it, it yeah, is. Yeah. We're a month into it. And, and really, if you think about it, the season itself ends, what, right after New Year's this year. And uh, then the playoffs start, and then you got the Super Bowl, and then you got the dra- and then you got free agency, and then you got the draft. So we're really way less than a quarter of the way through our season as NFL writers True. and media people. Like, we're in this thing till the end of April. <laughs> oh, then you got the then you have the combine in February. Then you have right. draft stuff and draft. Then you have post draft stuff. That's then you get right. about two weeks off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was telling somebody I was, I was really tired the other day, and they're like, "Oh, well, hang in there. You've only got till April to go." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny they keep it going all year round. Make more money that way. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's the, that's the biggest th- takeaway I can tell you from the owners' meetings yesterday is the NFL is as committed, or the owners are at any rate, as committed as ever to making more money. <laughs> and that was really what that's the meetings were all about. Like, I, it was mostly Los Angeles talk, and then they had, you know, the, in the morning they approved. I mean, I think the, the committees had obviously already hammered it out, but they uh, approved the the change in the resolution to, you know, to have more international games in 2016, because those, those have worked out really well for teams over the last few years going to London to play. They want more turnover in the coaching staffs, I guess. Everyone needs a chance. Well, it's a good chance to weed out the Joe Philbins of the world, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it's the crucible going over to Europe. If you can make it back, then yeah, that's kind of really. like a sign. I, I just watch Stephen Ross hire Al Golden or somebody like that to, to be the head coach at the True. end of this season, just to, you know, to keep it, keep it all Miami, keep it, keep it, keep it South Florida. Um, Hey, a quick shout out to our friends on the uh, college side and the uh, studio side, Ryan and uh, Dan Rubenstein, um, Ryan, Danny and Dan Rubenstein hooking me up with the sweet podcast set up here at the, uh, New York offices of Vox media today. It's, a uh, it's a long way from the, uh, hillbilly contraption I have at home. And, uh, I think you'll notice the quality <laughs> like, so the eight, eight or so people out there in radio land, uh, give Dan a shout out, uh, and a thank you on Twitter for improving the quality of your podcast here. Your smooth baritone is coming in so clearly. It's I'm amazing. trying. <laughs> it's, I, I haven't had, really had anything but like espresso and pretzels today, so it's <laughs> kind of floating on that. But uh, well, um, let's see. It's Thursday, so that means we've got a game tonight, and it looks like a heck of a game too. The Colts are not going to have Andrew Luck for the second week in a row. They might not have Andrew. They might not have Matt Hasselbeck either. Did we, uh, so we heard that luck is all he's officially out then yeah it's yeah, yeah Schefter um, reported it this morning um, I don't know if the team has officially announced it but you know Schefter did so that's you know it might as well be written on than a this. fucking stone tablet <laughs> yeah um, so maybe is Matt Hasselbeck who apparently spent last night uh, or, or one night this week in a hospital hooked up to an IV because he's really sick so <laughs> oh jeez 
I guess, I mean, does that tilt it toward the Houston Texans? I mean, maybe they can get their defense going a little bit more so this week and uh, take advantage of a, what's not a very good Colts team. Well, uh, it, here's a funny thing. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to take the division away from the Colts. Uh, you know, you just had the Tennessee Titans who had them on the ropes and, and they came with the worst fucking two-point play Ugh. ever known to man to lose that one. Then last week, the fucking Jacksonville Jaguars have them on the ropes. Kicker misses two field goals at the end of the game. He gets iced yeah. and then misses, misses it again. Then misses another one in overtime. So it's like these teams are finding ways to lose against the Colts. And this team that we were you know, talking about how awful they looked the first couple of weeks, they win this game. <laughs> They're in first place in the AFC South. So um, I know it doesn't look good from their quarterback position, but I, I, I bet you Houston finds a way to give this game away. Well, and you, with the Ryan Mallet, I mean, it's not like their quarterback situation's anything to really, you know, to advertise on national television are they, are they, tonight. Are they staying with Mallet or are they going with Hoyer? Because you know it's they did Mallet. Mallet last game. Yeah, it's their, he's sticking so with Mallet. Room? Yeah. Interesting. We'll see how long that lasts tonight, but. Yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> didn't see that kind of. Now, here's the thing, you know, it it wasn't all Ryan Mallet last week. He had a, a bunch of drops at the wide receiver position, but you know, Brian Hoyer came in and immediately, you know, they scored like a couple touchdowns. And yeah, Nook Hopkins was getting off, so I thought they were going to ride the, the hot hand. Yeah, I and, and I I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, I guess it, I mean. At this point, he switched it so many times, you know, going back to August, it's not like another switch and people are going to be like, hey, switching the quarterback position too much. Well, what else are you going to do? I Better do something soon. You got to. <laughs> because that was a team, I mean, they won nine games last year. So, I mean, there were, there were expectations that they could challenge for that division at least this season. I mean, you know, maybe not, uh, nobody really had any illusions of them being a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. But, you know, to just... V- shit it just to fall apart like this is really it's crazy there's a lot of bad i mean i don't know is it does it seem like there's more bad teams playing right now or is it just a perception because some of the teams that we thought would be better are stuck in neutral i think it's both i mean right now there's only eight teams with a winning record and uh six of them are undefeated so it feels top heavy you know yeah then there's a bunch of like two and two teams one and three teams um, it, yeah, and there's been a lot of injuries too. It feels like I don't know if there's been more than the like you know a normal amount of injuries, but it just feels like every team is beat up at the moment, <clears throat> and it's uh, of course exacerbated by you know the thing that we talked about last week with the offensive line yeah. issues with a lot of teams. It's just uh, I don't know. I think you know it's always hard to get yourself out of the bubble when you're in a season and kind of you know give yourself some context or perspective but it does feel right now like there's kind of just like a, a lot of bad teams out there yeah and and, and the injury i mean i don't know if there's quantitatively more injuries you know through the first month of the season this year than there were last year but it seems like there are injuries more injuries at the bigger i mean quarterback especially you know yeah. they've had how many teams that have been without their starting quarterback at one point or another this season and, and how much that's affected them you know it's I mean, what, I mean, Dallas is obviously without Romo and Des Bryant just looks awful. 
And understandably so. Roethlisberger's out. Cutler missed some time. Breeze missed a game. Luck Mm -hmm. now. Um, You know, it's just... I don't know if anyone really cares about the the quarterback situation in Cleveland or not, but that's <laughs> kind of a, you know, that's, they've had an injury at the quarterback position at one point this season too. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It, it's a, uh, it's just a weird feeling. I think so far through four games, um, the, the divisions that you think really good kind of don't look as good as you thought, like the AFC North, the Steelers, you know, obviously missing Roethlisberger, so that's an issue. But the Ravens haven't been as good as anyone thought they'd be, I don't think. And then, uh, I mean, the NFC West, you know, the Rams, Seahawks, 49ers are all kind of consistent and, and you know, different than I think a lot of people expect. And then, meanwhile, in the NFC South is like the best division in the in the NFC. So it's just, uh, it's been a weird season so far, I feel like. Two undefeated teams in the NFC South. Who would have guessed that? I mean, obviously the schedule has been advantageous for both of those teams, but, but yeah, I don't think anyone would have guessed that they were already like halfway to the the total for the wins last year in that division. Yeah. Um, Steven, I was going to ask you, I, I, the first thing I, I got up this morning and, um, I was looking at my phone, I was looking at Twitter because obviously that's the first thing you really is a healthy thing to probably do in the morning. <laughs> But uh, I was looking at my phone, and you were breaking down um, the Bucks game from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I was just going to ask you what uh, you, we were talking about the NFC South, so I was going to kind of ask you just what you know. What are some takeaways that you've seen with the Bucks this year? I mean, I know everyone's kind of curious about Winston. He's had four games now. Um, you know, just what what have you seen on tape with that team um, and, and where they are right now? Well. Bucks have been up and down on defense. So that's really been the problem, to be honest with you, because you're starting a rookie uh, quarterback. You're starting two rookie offensive linemen. You can't really rely on your offense to begin with. Yeah. So it, that being the case, once you knew that you're going to have to rely on your defense and your special teams to kind of, you know, help you through some of these games. And it, it really hasn't happened. Uh, they've only won one game, uh, they did look better on defense, quite honestly, as weird as that sounds, against the Panthers. They they give up thirty four points, but one of the you know one of those is a pick six. Uh, Jameis throws three other interceptions that uh, pretty much gave the the Panthers a good field position. Several times the Bucks actually stopped and held them to field goal on those drives. So I feel like defense actually comes around. So schizophrenic, they'll be okay. But you know, they're not. They, nobody thought they were going to win this year. Anyway. Yeah. The, the problem is uh, the defense has been so schizophrenic that they can't win the games they're even supposed to win. You know, they should have definitely beat the Texans. Trying to mm. beat the Panthers, the, the undefeated Panthers is a different animal. But they should have beaten uh, the Texans. They definitely shouldn't have looked as terrible as they looked against the Titans. And so, you know, they got Jacksonville coming up this week. And, you know, Jacksonville's one and three also, but that's not a bad team, really. A lot of things you can say about the Bucs, you can say about them. They just need to learn how to finish off games. So, but the perception still is, you know, the Jaguars are terrible and so are the Bucs. So, if they lose this game, uh, I, I think, you know, you start to kind of wonder what's going to happen with the coaching staff. 
because they were two and fourteen last year and uh, made a bunch of bad moves in free agency. Now you know, yes, you get the the, the number one pick in the draft, uh, Jameis Winston, and and people kind of you know going to give you a pass because you're starting a rookie quarterback. But I just don't know how it's going to go. They haven't won a home game since Lovey's been here. Actually, preceding him too, but they haven't won a home game since he's been here. So if they lose to Jacksonville, I just I'm not exactly sure, you know, where you go from there. Yeah. Um, I, I, since you, you were breaking down the table, I was also going to ask you then, kind of what you saw about the Panthers. I mean, why? You know, what did what did you see in the Panthers? That I mean, is this undefeated record they have so far believable? I mean, are they a good team? You know, when you look closer at them like that. Well, they are. They're, they're a little banged up up front. Uh, they got really lucky. You know, they traded for uh, Jared Allen last week, and he was not very good. I put it that way. His film <laughs> this week, he made a couple plays, but play to play. Not very inspirational-looking film from him this week. But then they happen to pick up this guy, Ryan Dallaire, that the Bucks actually have a training camp and who I also thought they should have kept after yeah. the last preseason game. You know, not to uh, salt in the wound, but, you know, this kid comes out of nowhere, gets two sacks. Another one is intentional grounding, probably should have been a sack. And if, But if it wasn't for that, you know, they would have had some issues trying to get pressure on Jameis Winston this weekend, you know, wasn't a whole bunch of other guys showing up back there, really. Yeah. Uh, but their secondary is definitely legit. Josh Norman uh, uh, is having a, a phenomenal year so far. I think he has four interceptions. Two of them last week against Jameis Winston. He has two pick sixes already, ironically enough. One against Jameis and one against uh, Blake Bortles that kind of seal their game early in the season. Um, so their defense isn't what we're used to seeing. Keekley hasn't played since the first game with that concussion. Um, but offensively, Cam Newton has just been, you know, he's found ways for his team to, to score and win. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not, I don't think, I'm not sure if it's still true about him accounting for all of their touchdowns. Like we talked about last week, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. He, I think two touchdowns this weekend, um, only completed literally 50% of his passes, 11 out of 22, but he did just enough. And, you know, you, you take the, the um, pick six off the board, and they still scored 28 points. So uh, make sure my math is right. <laughs> 27 <laughs> points, excuse me, on offense. So, uh, uh, you, you know, he, he's finding a way, even with the likes of Ted. He threw two touchdowns to Ted Ginn Jr., man. Ted Ginn Jr. <laughs> okay? So, you know, I, I don't know how to – that's like the highest praise I can give him is he's making Ted Ginn Jr. look like a legitimate number one uh, uh, threat on offense. So, uh, you know, the Bucks actually did a good job of shutting down Greg Olson to a certain extent. He only had two catches. And most of the time, you know, you figure Cam is just relying on his his tight end. But he, he threw two touchdowns to Ted Ginn. So – I think their team is legitimate until they show me that they're not. Um, you know, I just feel like it's not the way we're used to seeing them win uh, necessarily because they've got some injuries up front and with Keekley, but Cam has just found a way to score more than the, their opponents. Yeah, it's really impressive. And, you know, he's not like he doesn't get, he still just does not get enough credit probably for what he's. He, and I was just looking at the stats. Yeah, he's still all, accounted for all of their offensive touchdowns. 
either you right. know because they're a pass a passing touchdown or the team's two two rushing touchdowns have both been scored by Cam Newton. So but, you know, I mean, I'm just waiting for the media. <laughs> And oh, we should mention no. Ryan, Ryan Delaire, Hoss of the Week this week. Hoss of the Week, definitely. You know, when you come back, when a team cuts you, he's an undrafted free agent out of Townsend State and uh, looked pretty good in the last preseason game. I had no idea who he was. I didn't even know his name. I was just like, who is this number 75 kid? Yeah. <laughs> he looked pretty good. We ought to keep him. And, uh, you know, somebody reminded me of that. So that, that you know. They kind of hurt doubly after the game. Somebody reminded me that that's who that was. But, I mean, he comes back, exacts revenge. I mean, he made both of their tackles look silly at times. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think the the Panthers have them a good one. Uh, It just isn't Jared Allen. (laughs) Yeah. That's a pretty good defense, though. I mean, that's pretty talented. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the names on the defensive front there, too. I mean, that's a pretty good group of uh, players up there. They didn't yeah, play out without. Right, go ahead. They've been, they've been playing without star uh, lots of lele. Yeah. And then uh, one short was hurt at the beginning of the season, and now um, the uh, can't remember his name, but the starting left and Charles Johnson, they're so good. He's out hurt too. That's why they had yeah. to go get Jared Allen. Yeah. Like I said, so they're talented, but they're banged up real bad yeah. right now up front. Yeah, and like I was just looking at the numbers too. It's like Mario Addison has kind of stepped in in that void too, and and filled that. And, you know, kind of a a guy that's bounced around. He's been with Carolina for the last three years, where this is his third season in Carolina. But you know, not exactly not the first round pick kind of Starlatui level of defensive tackle you you'd expect to see. And Josh Norman, I saw that uh, Doug Farrar had that breakdown with jo- the film breakdown with Josh Norman. That's really cool. Um, I saw it kicking around the internet today and read it. it it's, it's really great. But uh, here's a guy that's, you know, kind of morphed into one of the league's better cornerbacks uh, all of a sudden out of, you know, not out of nowhere. I mean, he's, he's been good, but, uh, you know, not r- always in the conversation with the, uh, with the league's top cornerbacks, but uh, is having a hell of a season. Four picks, two touchdowns, 110 yards off of, uh, off his interceptions. That's a, that's pretty good. Um, I guess now the question is the Panthers' schedule. You know, they've got these injuries. They've got this group. They get a bye this week, and that's probably good. They can get healthy. You know, you get some of those guys rested up because after that, they're in Seattle. That's always a tough game. Yeah. Those teams always play each other really tough. Yeah. And you never know what weird section of the rule book Seattle's going to find to win that game. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Just joke. Or Detroit would find to lose it because if any team's going to find some weird, shitty corner of the rule book to lose a game on, it's definitely going to be the Detroit Lions. That's five games now they've lost, and it, it seems like a lot of them involve Calvin Johnson, unfortunately, too. <laughs> He's just cursed. Did you guys? Let me ask you. Did you guys, when you watched that game, did that? Did the batting thing come to your mind right off, right off the bat, as they they are want to say? Uh huh. No, not for me. I I actually when he made that play, I almost tweeted like, "Oh, that was smart! Like, take the you know take any risk out of it by batting it out of bounds." But um, I didn't know about the rule. To be honest, I I uh, it was one of those obscure ones I probably should have known about, but I wasn't aware of it. Steven? well, it, 
I was actually confused at the time, but I wasn't going to say anything because I wanted to be, I didn't want to be the first one to say something <laughs> real, real wrong. Right? Yeah. So I'm just going to sit there. But the thing of it is, because when it happened, I immediately thought about when we normally get taught to bat the ball out of the end zone. That's usually like, you know, if a quarterback uh, mishandles a snap or, or a, a punter, you know, mishandles a snap. They tell them to go ahead and kick it out of the back of the end zone and just, you know, take the safety. But this is the opposing team doing yeah. it. So it's not like they could just take a safety or, you know, or could they? So I was just kind of confused. Like, man, why did he do that? Like, because normally the guy grabs the ball. Because he could have definitely easily grabbed the ball and just taken the knee. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, he just he just slugged it for no good reason, basically. <laughs> uh, obviously because he didn't know the, the – uh, the rule book as well but it, it something about their play was really weird to me but if you know you go back on my timeline all of a sudden i got real quiet I was just, like, <laughs> i'm gonna let everybody else <laughs> give their hot takes on this first and, I, and see who's right you know at the end of the day i, I didn't want to go ahead and chance that one well i was uh, brian was at that game our executive editor brian Floyd's from seattle he was there that night uh with the with the press and uh so we were texting back and forth and, you know, we were like, all right, we're trying to figure out what angle to take. And, and you know, Cam Chancellor was, was something we talked about before the game. And, and so he, you know, messaged me and was like, you know, all right, Cam Chancellor, because the Cam Chancellor play to knock that ball out. All right, there you go. Game on. There you go. Game over. Hit it, you yeah. know. And I, because I was leaving the next morning and, you know, I had was packing and getting some dad stuff taken care of to be gone for the next few days. So, I just turned it off and walked away. I didn't kind of, you know, the game was over. I didn't realize what had happened. So, um, yeah. And then like I, somebody, I get another message about that thing. And I'm like, I had to like, what, what are you, what are you talking about here? And like, Oh yeah, that I know. I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> Total bullshit. But that was but, like uh, how it worked out with the whole broadcast too. I don't think anyone said anything for the first I don't know if they even said anything before they went to like the post game show, and then uh, people started, you know, obviously arguing about it on on Twitter and everything. And then it kind of became it was really one of those like slow developing jokes where everyone like after like a few minutes is like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Well, and it it, but, uh, it, it popped on our radar because like um, Sid uh, Sid Ziegler from Out Sports which is part of SB Nation Network, you know, our family. And uh, he, he refs, he's a football ref too. Um, oh, okay. And so he yeah. popped in that room. He's like, did they, hey, did you guys know that this is, uh, th- that should be a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then he wrote up a quick thing on that. And that's, I think, where we all first caught on to, to it. It was so, it was, uh, it was just wild. One of those wild moments. Well- ask you guys this thing and i'm obviously biased because i cover the seahawks but would you do you think it would have been do you think it's worse that they didn't call that or if they would have called it and given the the lions the ball on the one yard line because of that like technicality like do you think it was in the spirit of the rule that they the Lions should have gotten the ball back this is kind of what they've talked about here in seattle a little bit like there was no one near him um you know he like like steven said he easily could have just grabbed it like um you know, the spirit of the rule, I think, is you can't, like, you, they don't want you batting it away from a guy who's about to pick it up or, like, batting it to your teammate or whatever. Um, I think it would, like, as people said, if they had a call, everyone would have been pissed that they'd made it. You know, it's like people just want to be pissed. Um, what do you guys think of that? Um, 
I'm going to go with no. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that um, even though, you know, I understand people who talk about the spirit of the rule, you also have occasions where football players are dumbasses. <laughs> and you don't bend the rules just because they're a dumbass. Just like the guy who, you know, uh, is returning the kick and, and drops the ball before he crosses the goal line. Nobody's close to him. Definitely should give him, you know, <laughs> could nobody yeah. make that tackle possibly. But when they do it, what do we say? You can't just, you know, let that go. If, if the ball didn't cross the end zone, the end line, the, the goal line, then it's not a touchdown. And yeah. so I can't feel the same way. It's fucked up. And the rule book is is needlessly, uh, uh, you know, just humongous in a way that most people can't possibly know all the rules. But that is, in fact, your job. Your job is to know the rules and prepare your <laughs> players for that eventuality, whether it happens rarely or not. And so, you know, I'm 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 going to err on the side of getting it right. You know, now I understand that they can't review it because it is kind of subjective. You know, what, what constitutes a, a, a bat, so to speak? Right. You know, did he tap it? Did he punch it? What, whatever, what have you. But at the same time, if the refs knew, knew the, the, the playbook, I mean, I'm sorry, the rule book, they really knew what they were saying. They're supposed to call it. You know, yeah. Regardless, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, messed up. And like you said, nobody was around. But when you're a dumbass on the field, we don't bend the rules for that. We, we still got to kind of enforce them. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess my thing, too, with that is, like, look at, you know, look at with pass interference and, and, and the, the catch rule. I mean, look at, just go even back to last season, last year in the playoffs, the catch rule, I mean, with Des Bryant. And, and whenever there's that subjective element to the rule book, bad shit starts to happen. So you just can't ever, to me, it's like you could never, you've got to eliminate as much of that as you possibly can. From the rule, but whether yeah. it's a catch or whether it's pass interference or whether it's anything like that, and that's I, mean, I think that's the problem the NFL has with the rule book more than anything right now is just there's so much of that stuff is open to interpretation, and what's pass interference in week one to Jeff Triplett's crew isn't going to be pass interference in week yeah. six to Rod, you know, to the, somebody else's crew. Well, nobody knows what the fuck Jeff Triplett's crew is doing, but anyway, bad example. On yeah. The- the overwhelming feeling, I think, in Seattle is just like, hey, we got lucky on a no call. Really, I mean, like, there, he clearly tried to bat it out of bounds. He admitted it. You know, he admitted he didn't know the rule. Um, and looks like the ref, for whatever reason, decided it was. You know, if you watch it in in in, in you know real time, it it is pretty quick bang bang play. And like like Seaman was saying, there is some subjectivity in terms of what a quote bat is or whatever. But I mean, it was pretty clear he was meaning to do that. So. Um, really everyone just kind of feels like, well, you know, referees miss calls and we got lucky on that one. So obviously it was just in a really important juncture. It does kind of suck that it overshadows like an amazingly awesome play though. Like that was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen really. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of sucks that it overshadows that because, you know, that would be one of those plays you talk about for years, but now it's just to me the, you know, the bat thing. So whatever. The bat man. Well, it's a, yeah, it was, it's a, there must be something that end zone's like a black hole for the, like Bermuda triangle of the NFL rule book back there. (laughs) You can't even blame replacement refs this time. Yeah. Bring back the replacement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, funny. It is the same exact end zone. So 
And of course, Golden Tate, you know, was he, there was plenty of pictures of him kind of standing there, like putting his hands up, like celebrating as the ball is rolling into the end zone. Yeah, he's just involved in both of those plays. Hey, so I'm going to go back to this uh, this uh, undefeated teams thing since you wrote the piece about it today, Danny. Out of mm-hmm. all those teams, I mean, there's some of those teams on there are the usual suspects: the Patriots, the Packers. You know the Broncos, although the Broncos are a little diff- for winning for different reasons right. than you yeah. assume with Peyton Manning. But out of out of those teams, we, you know those eight teams, which are the ones that I mean, one or two or all that you know look to you to be a team that's you know the weakest of that bunch or is not. I mean, I, it's going to be hard for any of those teams to go sixteen and zero, obviously. But yeah, you know, the the one that's maybe the weakest of that group. Uh, that's a tough question. I would have to say the least balanced right now are the Broncos. They have obviously a really, really good defense, probably the best defense in the NFL right now, but their offense is like one of the worst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So really one-sided um, right now. So, and that's kind of, so that, I guess that would be the reason I would you know pick that. I think um, most of the other teams are relatively balanced. Like the Panthers, you know, they're, they're, decent on offense really good on defense the falcons really good on offense they're you know middling it to lower third defense but um you know they've got such great offensive weapons and then the packers are actually really balanced across the board uh, and as are the Bengals, and then the patriots are just unstoppable on offense so um i mean you could make an argument really for any of these teams but i think right now just the broncos kind of stand out because their defense is you know one of, or their offense sorry is like one of the least effective offenses in the NFL right now so yeah. they can't pass or run so i mean i again i think they have a really great great defense and, and maybe that offense will start picking it up but uh, right now they might be you know the team kind of that sticks out to me as not not a pretender but not a team that can necessarily keep it up all year long so we'll see and they have an interesting game this week with the Raiders too. I mean, not that the Raiders are there by any means. You, you know, you go back to last week's game against Chicago, especially, but uh, that's a much better Raiders team. Yeah, and the, the, the Raiders tend to people, especially division rivals, they, they seem to give people problems at home. So it could be that could be a fun game, and it's like strength on strength. Obviously, the Raiders are you know a good passing team. Derek Carr kind of a gunslinger and then you know the broncos their strength is in their defense so um that's gonna be a good battle in terms of matchups mm-hmm. oh uh-oh um uh, this, if 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 you can imagine let me ask you to imagine for a second the sound that the drudge siren makes because we've got a bit of breaking news um the dolphins finally fired their defensive coordinator oh <laughs> and uh yeah it seems kind of weird that that's happening on thursday when there was kind of the weird. thing that might have happened after the game on sunday apparently maybe the tapes didn't go through <laughs> yeah it's maybe Stephen ross couldn't be there to to make the decision although because it, it sounds like um we'll see you know when the reporting comes out but uh at one point in the week they were going to leave um that decision up to the interim head coach which Seems like kind of a weird thing to me, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> but that that made me think of Stephen, your piece uh, from yesterday with with Sue. Um, is there anything you saw with Sue or the Dolphins defense that thinks maybe they're underperforming a little bit right now that they can get better? 
Um, Coaching change or not? Sure. They, they can get better. Um, I, I think, you know, some guys haven't played up to their potential. I think they made some, some stupid mistakes. You know, Olivier Vernon the other day in a two-minute drill yeah. situation at the end of the game retaliates against a guy at the end of a play and mm-hmm. ends up getting a penalty that, that puts them in position to kick the game when the field goal. And so, uh, you know, you got a lot of boneheaded plays. Like, but that defense has a lot of talent, man. And here's the thing. Like I said, uh, they need to be more disruptive up front. Yeah. They have a guy that can do that, but he's playing nose tackle half the time. And then Domicon So they move him around a little bit more. Uh, if some of these guys start playing a little bit better, like Cameron Wake, who I expect to, you know, I think he might have been hurt earlier in the season. Uh, I saw that he wasn't really in there as much against uh, uh, the Jaguars. But, you know, so maybe he's banged up. But I expect him to come alive at some point this season. He's just so good uh, with his technique and stuff that it's hard for him not to be productive. Yeah. But I do think they need to change some things on the defense. Uh, one of the things I didn't really even get around to uh, in the piece was they play their ends in a nine technique outside of the tight end. And that's great for pass rush you, but it's terrible for the run defense. Yeah. And so I really would like to see them get those ends back in, uh, head up on the tight end in a six technique, like most four, three defenses run uh, and, and go from there. So there's some things that you could tweak on their defense, but they, they have a lot of talent. And with, you know, somebody, this, you know, designing defenses a little bit better, a little bit more complex, blitzing a little bit more. I think they can definitely turn things around. Yeah, and that was, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting to see the breakdown with, you know, what they were doing with Sue. And But, you know, another thing that kind of was really eye-opening in that piece was was uh, your the, the part about the bull rush with Sue. Could tell tell the you know maybe the folks out there that haven't had a chance to read that yet. Give us a just give us a little insight into what you saw with Sue and his bull rush. Well, it, the thing is, like I watched his film a couple of times, like three games worth, and I kept looking. I'm like, okay, there's something missing here. You know, you're seeing him and he's not making plays, and uh, it, it's not necessarily like he's getting dominated. <clears throat> but he just is not, you know, being productive. And then it came to me, I'm like, he's not winning with his bull rush anymore. But he's still bull rushing. And so, you know, this has been his, kind of his deal. Since mm-hmm. he's been in the NFL, he's been a guy that lines up, you know, a left defensive tackle and runs over your right guard for the whole game, whether it's the run or the pass. But definitely on pass rush, you know, he was a guy that's going to run that right down the middle of you and nobody in the league looked strong enough to withstand his bull rush those first first few years, and even last year. But this year, man, you see right guards blocking him one-on-one. Yeah. And, you know, he gets a little bit of push, but nothing like we're used to seeing, where he, you know, even if he doesn't get to the quarterback before, he will still, you know, push the right guard into the quarterback's lap, make the quarterback have to scramble or something like that. Now he's stuck on the line a lot of the time. And so that's another reason why I feel like they should play him at three technique more. Because maybe if he's in space a little bit more, he'll feel more comfortable actually teeing off and really getting into, into his bull rushes again. But for right now, um, uh, he's just getting stuck on the line quite a bit, and you're just not used to seeing him get beat like that. Yeah. 
How much would the Lions like to have him back right now? <laughs> Is that a team that yeah, you expected I mean, to be 0-4? I mean, I didn't expect him to go to the Super Bowl or anything like that, but... No, nah, I, I don't think anybody saw that coming, including them. Yeah, and and that's when you know the Bucks aren't even on <laughs> four, right? And, and and I think if most Bucks fans could have seen them being on four, I don't think there's a single Lions fan. I don't even think there's in the media that could have you know suggested they would have been on four to start this season because there's just so much talent on that team, even with. You know the the defensive tackles uh, going away this all season. Who who thinks that three de- defensive tackles walking in free agency is going to mean you're going to go on four with Matt Stafford and and Megatron and that secondary and you know Levy's been out of course, but he's been playing. Mm-hmm. They have way too much talent. You know Golden Tate, Eric Ebram has been playing well. It, it just boggles the mind that they haven't won a game. Yeah, and now they're and and now like at the worst possible time they got hit pretty hard with injuries. You got Ingata's out now. Tyron Walker's hurt. I mean, I don't I haven't seen the latest on his status, but you know, there's your two starting defensive tackles are out now. One's out for the year. Ebron's are out for two games, I think it is, you know, from his injury he suffered in that Monday night game. It's just and then you had the offensive coordinator out there today talking about how he takes Golden Tate out you know, because he wants certain packages and stuff. It's like, you, why don't you just get your talent out there, man? I don't know. They're the only own court team, too. It's weird. Go ahead, Steven. No, sometimes it's better to be quiet and thought of food and open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's not something that the offense coordinator should be explaining to anybody. I mean, I'll let you guess. You know, you, you can try to, you know, come up with your own theories for it, but I'd be damned if I'm going to say, well, I'm taking Golden Tate out because of, uh, of this package. Because, you know what, it might even make sense. Like, maybe he wants to put, you know, two or three tight ends in the game and, and fool them or something, but yeah. there's no way that's going to make sense to anybody. Yeah, you say I'm taking. You know, it's, it's the same thing I said about Chip Kelly with, with Lashawn McCoy. If your scheme doesn't fit Lashawn McCoy, guess what? Your scheme fucking sucks. <laughs> so if your pack, if your packages do not require Golden Tate, who may actually be the best wide receiver on your team, yeah, I said it. Yeah, then your <laughs> your packages fucking suck. Well, and that's that's always the most frustrating thing that NFL coaches do is this, you know, go out there and talk about their scheme like it's, you know, written on a stone tablet at the top of Mount Sinai. It's just it's it's crazy. And the players have to adapt to my scheme because my scheme is fucking brilliant. And, you know, you see that from time. You see that way too often at the NFL. I mean, you've got the best football players in the world at your disposal and you're out there coaching them like, you know, you're some Division II college team taking on Ohio State that week or something. It just doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense to me. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, that's, you know, that's NFL coaches sometimes. <laughs> um, is there any, what else has stood out? Like maybe the, the surprising things from the first quarter of the season – for you so far, Danny? Well, I mean, obviously, apart from NFC South kind of uh, 
being way better than anyone expected. I, I, you know, I haven't watched. I need. I want to do a deeper dive on the Giants at some point, but they've impressed me more than I think I thought they would. You know, they've been in every one of their games so far. Obviously, they had a couple of fourth quarter meltdowns, but um, you know, they could emerge from the NFC uh, NFC East as kind of like you know a team that could maybe win that division. Even um, I know they've got a pretty uh, good-looking schedule over the next few weeks. They face off co- um, against some teams that have been struggling, you know, lately or missing key pieces. And um, they're they're the kind of team that can kind of score in bunches and, and take over a game with their offense because they have, you know, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of other weapons in the offensive, you know, in their offensive arsenal. So um, I don't know. The the Giants have been kind of surprising to me. They could be one of those dark horse teams in the the next couple, you know, the next month or two that emerges, you know, I actually, you know, like if you look at their next five games, those aren't five winnable games. They could end up seven and two before you know it. It's the 49ers uh, this week. I think that isn't that the primetime game on Sunday, too? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Sunday night game. N- nothing like so the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers of 2015 in primetime. <laughs> I'm going to read you the next five games they have. They've got. They host the 49ers, they're at the Eagles, they host the Cowboys, they're at the Saints, and then they're at the Bucks. Tell me they can't win all five of those games. Uh, you never know. What you trying to say about the Bucks? What you trying to say about the Bucks? You're right, though. Now, in in true yeah. Giants form, that'll be you know that could just very well be one of those games where they lose forty to ten or something like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm not all my money on the Giants or anything, but I was just looking at them and I'm thinking maybe they're better than anyone kind of gives them credit for, you know? Because um, I don't think anyone really talks about them as like potential contenders at this point. I don't know if they have you know the defense to hold up long term, whatever. But um, I don't know. That offense intrigues me. I, I can't quite put my finger on the Giants. That's a, that was a JPP joke. That was a bad JPP joke. Uh, you know, Stephen, we are gonna. Have, I'm gonna. You know, we're, I'm gonna share. We're gonna have to promote that uh, that that Golden Tate comment on Twitter. And so, just yeah, brace, I said it. Brace, brace your inbox. There we go. <laughs> He's like shit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I got another email the other day. My son. Found your uh, column online, and I'm thinking, why is your ten year old son online without anybody monitoring? Yeah, but really. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Your, your son found that. something bad on the internet. I can't believe it. Your ten year old son, come on, man. What that, amazes that, that, you? From it's one of all the things on the internet to get pissed off about kids is seeing. Cursing. Seriously. Cursing. <laughs> and, and, and not like cursing like you're talking about something sexual, yeah. just curse words. I mean, come on, be an adult. <laughs> about a football, about a damn football game. And it's just. Look, here's the thing. Even if I don't put one cuss word in my and what I write, there's going to be probably people cussing in the comments anyway. So he's going to say, Oh, see God. It, you know, don't stop at me. Shit. <laughs> It's a meltdown. Somebody, my favorite, the comment section is just, it's always a a fucking toxic waste dump of of internet reactions. Somebody, well, the first comment on one post today, somebody somebody said, no wonders nobody's commenting on this post. I don't even bother to read it anymore. It's like, but you commented on it. 
Man, people are something else. There's something else. That's like a perfect uh, encapsulation of the internet right there. <laughs> that's uh hey, that's why uh PFT commenters got it. Uh internet commenters for Trump. <laughs> Get, in the following. Get in on the movement while you still can. <laughs> That might end up being his super pack. Steve, what's been the biggest surprise to you for the first month of the season here? Um, you know, I hate to keep bringing it up, but without without question, it's the Carolina Panthers for me. Mm-hmm. Um, look, if you told me that Ted Ginn Jr. was going to be the number one wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> I'd have thought they were going on for <laughs> and, and Luke Keekley w- wouldn't play, you know, more than a half, basically, in the first game. 0-4, absolutely. Yeah. Without questions, even with the Bucks on the schedule. But some kind of way, man, they're making it work. And so, you know, that's why I give so much credit to, to Cam Newton. And it's not just Cam. You know, Josh Norman, uh, before last week, Greg Olson, lots of guys have been stepping up. But look. I mean, it's not even like the running game is going like it usually does. Mm-hmm. You know, Cam has got those two rushing touchdowns, but that tells you something that he's the, he has the only two t- rushing touchdowns for that team. Yeah. You know, D'Angelo uh-huh. isn't there anymore. Uh, Cam Artis Payne wasn't even active a game or so. So uh, it's not even like the running game is leading the team. Uh, it's, it's really mostly Cam on offense and, and you know, some guys making plays on defense. And so, now I do think that their luck is going to run out sooner or later. I, I actually think the Bucks gave everybody a blueprint mm-hmm. on how to stop them this week to a certain extent. But for now, without a doubt, them, them being 4-0, I'd have bet the house against that, and I'd have been homeless right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they've two of their wins are within a touchdown. And, you know, that's always an indication that a game could have gone either way, too. You know what I mean? When you've got that kind of seven-point deal of just how close those things can be sometimes you know but uh that's how the seahawks went games and they have a tough <laughs> schedule coming up i mean they got to buy this week like we said they got seattle after that in seattle then they've got the eagles and who knows what eagles team will be there that weekend then they yeah. got the colts and eh, i mean the colts i don't know maybe they'll get their act together at some point but then it's the packers and then it's uh the titans so it's not okay it's can not just, the toughest schedule in the world but they do have to play the packers and that's hard let me just point out real quick, this is unrelated sort of, but we at SB Nation make our picks so early in the week. I picked the Colts this week. I don't know for sure if I would have done that now if I'd known now that, you know, both Hasselbeck and Luck are not starting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, potentially not starting. So. Did, they, did they actually say that Hasselbeck's not starting now? No, no, no. He, he's expected we, to start, but he's like had like a virus all week or something. Right. So he's been I, sick. He's been sick. I know they just uh, re-signed Josh Johnson. Which kind of yeah. gave me the heads so up, like someone like yesterday, but um, yeah, I mean, well, Hasselback can't even make it through the game. Yeah, you know, maybe he yeah, starts, exactly. but can he actually play a full game? Yeah, I don't know about. I, I I'm not even sure who I picked <laughs> this week because I thought this this might be one of those weird weeks where the wrong people win or something. Uh, and plus, I thought I actually thought the Texans were gonna uh, play Hoyer, and he was all of a sudden gonna look like. Uh, you know, Superman, and so everybody be mad because they benched because they benched him for Mallet in the first place. <laughs> so now I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, it's pretty hey, divided this hey, week. Y'all. 
<laughs> um, let's see here. Let's go. I picked, I picked Houston. Steven picked Houston. Joel picked Indianapolis. Fooch picked Indianapolis. Danny picked Indianapolis. Ufford picked Houston. PFT Commoner picked Indianapolis. And the Odds Shark computer picked Houston. Wow. Yeah, because I thought Luck for sure would play. I'm actually really surprised he's not playing, but there you have it. You I have to pick on uh, Tuesday. It's, I thought Luck was going to play, and it's going to be crazy. I thought it was going to just be a crazy game. I thought he was going to play in just some kind of way. You know, Hoyer's going to look like a hero. You get a, you get a mulligan. You know, you get a, you get a little bit of a mulligan when it's the AFC <laughs> South this season, though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it, you know, I'm sure the, com- the internet commenters will have fun with it. Just, you know, don't read the comments and it'll be fine. I sure as hell won't read those comments. <laughs> I don't read, I read the comments on a lot of my articles because some of them actually do involve football, like discussion. But, man, I definitely don't read the comments in my power rankings or the NFL picks. Oh. F that. Smart Smart <laughs> mock man. drafts. Any mock draft-related comments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, so it's, we brought up the schedule this week. What, are, what games are any, any of those games standing out to you guys as uh, must-see TV? I mean, I think the game of the week and, and you know, the most, I, I'd say maybe one of the, will be one of the most competitive games. I think it will be the Seahawks at Bengals. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks are having a little bit of a resurgence after starting out the year really slowly. Their defense especially has, has been really good um, the last two weeks. So I think that'll be a fun game. And it's kind of interesting because the Bengals like to air it out. They're, they're passing more than any team in the NFL right now, I think. And the Seahawks, that's their specialty to deep ball you know they, they don't typically they don't let anything over their heads really good at defending that deep area mm-hmm. and you know kind of the thing the seahawks if you, if you know the blueprint for beating the seahawks it's essentially what tom brady did in the super bowl which is like underneath passes yak um kind of trying to beat them that way and so i don't know if that means the Bengals will you know continue throwing deep or if they'll try and alter their game plan or what but i think that's kind of an interesting matchup just on paper um so that one will be one to watch obviously um, you know, because I cover the Seahawks, but I just think it just in general, it's a good matchup. Yeah. Any, let's see. Let me, I'm going to put you on the record for your prediction here. Then I picked the Bengals in this one. <laughs> uh, it looks I like did. only, I, I, only I, two people picked the Seahawks. Joel and PFT Commoner picked the Seahawks. I just have very little faith in the Seahawks' offensive line right now. And I think I, that's, why, that's crazy. Why is that a major why? issue? It's a major issue right now for them. Um, <laughs> kind of. So, <laughs> so that's, that's the main reason why I think it, it'll be a close game. And I think the Seahawks are going in the right direction in terms of their play. Mm-hmm. Um, they do feel more like the Seahawks of old. So, you know, I think they could win it, but you know, it's just in the interest of it's a home game for the Bengals. It's a 10 a.m. start uh, for, you know, P- Pacific time, which the Seahawks, um, that's like a challenge in itself. So, uh, yeah, that's why I picked the Bengals. They're just playing really well right now. Steven, what are your thoughts on that game? Well, yeah, you never bet on a team going from west to east. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't really tend to work out well. So, and then, you know, once again, the Bengals, we haven't seen bad Andy so far, you know, knock on wood. And so yeah. good Andy Dalton is a bad, you know what? 
and he he he's balling right now, and so is all his, so is all his receivers. So so are all of his receivers. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, it's hard to beat against uh, beat against them at home. Uh, now another game that I actually think is going to be pretty competitive is uh, the Steelers Chargers game, and the reason why mm-hmm. I think that is because Martavius Bryant will be back this week. Yeah. And that dude is a grown-ass man, and he's going to have first legs. Yeah. So, uh, I think the Chargers are, 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 are a team that can pretty much beat anybody on any given day. And, of course, the Steelers are going to be starting Michael Vick again. But I'd ex- I expect Martavis Bryant to put on a show his first week back off suspension, which is why he, he's in my fantasy lineup, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's kind of what the the Hasselbeck thing we were talking about Hasselbeck this week um that was kind of funny because in all that daily fantasy stuff like that name kept coming up because oh well people picked Matt Hasselbeck this week really won because nobody else picked Matt Hasselbeck (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, and you know, there's some underrated game. You know, you wouldn't normally tell somebody that they should watch a Washington game, but like this Washington Atlanta game, I'm kind of interested yeah. to see it. I mean, everybody yeah, everybody picked Atlanta across the board, and I think that's probably a smart play. But it could be a pretty good game. Yeah, it could be a piece of shit too. But yeah. the other game <laughs> that I can play tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a piece of shit too. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of interested to watch this Packers-Rams game. I know that uh, I, I wanted to bring it back to the Rams before we uh, wrap this up for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, because the Rams, you know, you just, like, I mean, they're the Jekyll and Hyde of the NFL, right? They Like, you never know what you're going to get with them. But the way they played last week, um, the style of ball they play, like, you know, you could potentially give the Packers some issues. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I picked the Packers, but right. – um, <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers at home is really hard to beat. But at the same time, I think the Rams kind of, you know, they have that kind of defense that can give them uh, trouble. Trouble. So I don't know. That that should be a fun game to watch. You know, I'm not picking the Rams, but it wouldn't be surprising if it was a, maybe a little closer than people are expecting. Well, I, you know, and I think one of the things that comes down to me and why I didn't pick the Rams, and one of the reasons I didn't pick the Rams in that game, is is I think what Rodgers does with those free plays is really going to hurt the Rams because they just, they just don't yeah. have good discipline when it comes to taking penalties. I mean, they're constantly offsides. They're constantly, you know, getting, getting flags for that on both sides of the ball. And I think, you know, you do that one, one, t- one time is all it takes, and Aaron Rodgers has a touchdown. Free you know? play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, has, a, he has a quarterback so well, rating yeah. better than most, you know, better than most quarterbacks in the NFL right now just on free plays. <laughs> yeah. And I think I that'll that hurt the Rams. Count. They always struggle with that hard count like he does. Oh, but Jeff Fisher had an air horn in practice this week because he's a smart guy. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're about to wrap up here. Stephen had to had to take off. He had some stuff that he needed to take care of. So, Dan, you've got Danny and I here. We're gonna carry you through to the end. Uh, Danny, one other game I did want to talk about for a minute because it's it's kind of an interesting situation for both teams right now. Uh, Chicago and Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, I had my eye on that game as well. I think the Chiefs are a lot better than their one and three record. Um, I want to say the teams they've lost to are undefeated or they have like a really good, really good record so far. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily, they don't look to me like one in three team. Yeah. Um, 
And at the same time, I think the Bears with Cutler are a lot better than the Bears with Clawson, so he gives them a chance to win. Um, yeah, that, that could be a good game. I think the Chiefs will win it because it's in Kansas City, and mm-hmm. again, they're, I think they're a better team than their record would indicate, but they are reeling a little bit. You know, They've had some tough losses this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they lost to the, the Broncos, team. Packers, and Bengals. The so they've lost to three that. of those undefeated teams. Right, so the the teams they've lost to are like twelve and zero. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's that's an interesting team to watch. Still, kind of as like a maybe a second half comeback story. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, like like you said, those they're probably better than than what we think. Yeah, and then and then you've got the Bears who are always <laughs> kind of a mystery team from week to week. So, and yeah, the again, they're at home. Big, so, yeah. They, I think the Bears kind of tend to go with what how Cutler plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he's like on, then you know he gives them a chance. So yeah, I don't know what what do you know what Alshon Jeffrey's status is? Is he coming back at any point? Uh, I'm gonna look that up real quick because I don't know. I mean, and but and you can really tell they've missed him. I mean, yeah, he's kind of like their even with red Jimmy zone. Clawson in there. It's still you know because that was uh, and that was really rough. That Seattle game. That was some of the worst Bears football I, I've ever seen. Not that I watch the Bears a lot, but woo, that was a bad, bad game. <laughs> yeah, the, the, they punted 10 straight times. He's expected to play this week against the Chiefs. That's good. So that, that so could that, be interesting. Another thing that adds another element to that game. Yeah, for sure. They've got some weapons. they got Martellus Bennett. He's really good. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. You know, Eddie Royal kind of maybe looked like he could be taken off a little bit and getting into that offense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Forte. I almost called him Will Forte. Matt Forte. <laughs> um, you know, he's good, obviously. So, yeah, it's an, it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, but that's another one of those games on the schedule that I think, you know, kind of want to flip to if you can on red yeah. zone, if you're looking at red zone. yeah. And that's a that's it's a kind of a packed one p.m. slate this week. <clears throat> yeah, there are like uh, man, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games on one, um, and then only three in the afternoon. Yeah, well, that's better than some weeks where there's like ten, ten or twelve games at the one p.m. or ten games. I think is the most they ever have. But yeah, how many do they have? Uh, two buys this week. Two. Uh, I should say four teams with buys this week, or is it still only two? Um, I know you have the two London teams on a buy this week. Yeah, you got four. Four teams are on buy this week. So yeah, there we go. So we're getting into the buy week time of year too. So yeah, yeah, it's always uh, always interesting. Um, any other games stand out to you this week? I think I think the Eagles Saints could be interesting. You know, mm-hmm. we're still kind of waiting for the Eagles to show up. Um, and I'm kind of, I still sort of have faith that they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's so much talent on that team that it's just been frustrating kind of watching how like how much they've struggled. I know that you have uh, probably zero surprise of what Sam Bradford has done so far, but I expected he'd be a little bit better um, than he has been. And so I don't know. Like, are they going to start clicking, or is it kind of going to turn into one of those seasons where everything you know snowballs and they just end up sucking for the entire year? I don't know. Um, you know, at the same time, the Saints have. Breeze back, and that always kind of gives them a chance. I don't think that they're a particularly good team at this point, but with Breeze, it's just kind of you never really know. So that could be an interesting game as well. Yeah, and you know, for me, the thing about Bradford is he, that offensive line in Philadelphia is really bad right now. 
And yeah. And whether it's just, you know, whether it's the injuries or the talent they have, or it's just a matter of, you know, the scheme's too complex or, or they're not executing well or whatever the excuse is, it's not working. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the thing you saw with Bradford over and over and over and over and over again at St. Louis when he's not good under pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets, he, he, you know, he starts to play kind of timid when he's under pressure. And I think that's why you don't see the downfield throws as much. And that's why you don't see the, and unfortunately he sort of internalized that and sort of kind of made that his, you know, modus operandi. Yeah. He gets like frenetic or timid looking or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know, man, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him the rest of the season because, you know, this is the last year of his contract. I mean, I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be washed out of the NFL or anything like that, but, you know, if he keeps playing like this, he'll be, you know, the the backup quarterback you can take a chance on kind of free agent after this season. Yeah. On the other hand, what have Rams fans thought of Nick Foles so far? Um, It's mixed, you know. It just kind of goes from week to week. I mean, it, you know, everybody's high on Foles right now because he had a pretty good game last week and made some nice throws. But, uh, you know, and he yeah, also kind of depends on the line, the- too. Yeah, 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 very much so. And that, you know, the offensive like- line played good. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's he's kind of just been like that. Uh, Foles has, like, where one game he'll just, man, drop some dimes, and uh, the next he'll, he'll look really lost, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he made re- some really good throws. That throw to, like, Tavon Austin over the middle. Um, yeah. He made a really nice throw to uh, Devin Bailey in the corner. And I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. But, yeah, there was a couple of really, really impressive throws he made last week. Yeah, and, and, you know, much better blocking last week than he's had this season, too. So, you know, if they can keep that up, it's it, it definitely helps them. And they haven't turned the ball over as much. I mean, you look at, since that Seattle game, which is kind of unusual because the offense turned the ball over three times, and mm-hmm. and Seattle only turned it over once, and, you know, it's always kind of weird to win a game like that. For sure. The only, since then, the Rams' offense has only turned turned the ball over one time. And it was in that loss to Pittsburgh. So that's kind yeah, of that's... telling. If they can keep that up, that's good. But, you know, it's hard to to see this Rams team kind of, you know, keep proceeding like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing about that game, going back to that game, the Packers-Rams, is uh, Gurley is kind of the X factor, you know? Yeah. Like, he looked really freaking good in the yeah. second half of that game. Um and I know, you know, the Packers have done a little bit better in run defense lately, but they're still, you know, near the league bottom in terms of the run defense and, yeah. and the stat. So that could be an interesting element to that game. If Gurley can go off, um, you know, that's a ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, which is always a good thing. So uh, I don't know. That, for whatever reason, that game is interesting to me. I hope, you know, that's like maybe the West side of me just hoping the Rams can knock off the Packers and make it more interesting in the yeah. NFC. But, uh but yeah, that, that'll be one to watch. Uh, you know, here's a wild card in the Rams season, and this is kind of funny because this was something that came out of the owners' meetings yesterday. You know, they're on track to vote on this in January, but that could get pushed back, and one of the reasons it could get pushed back, pushed back come January is if one of those three teams or any of those three teams in contention for Los Angeles is in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, the Rams, uh, I don't know. You wonder if Stan Kroenke's rooting against the Rams this week. <laughs> He's like the the owner on uh, 
what major, league, major league, which was based <laughs> on previous Rams owner Georgia Frontier. <laughs> That's too perfect. I love it that the Rams are one of those teams that are just perpetually in shitty owner hell. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's see. You're not alone, Washington fans. <laughs> Commiserate with us. That's right. That's right. Um, Danny, uh, we should wrap this up. We're, we're getting on, uh, getting on to an hour here and get folks out and on their way so they can, uh, take in a little podcast and take in a little, uh, football this week. I, I think they're sufficiently prepared for it. Definitely. Um, it's been a good one without a doubt. And, uh, I hope you really enjoyed the production value. I'm really, I'm really impressed with this. <laughs> I know you're coming in loud and clear. It's like you're here in real. Life. I know, it's like crazy. I don't. My dog's not barking in the background or anything <laughs> like that. It's crazy. I could get used to this life. Let me tell you. And got to get hooked up with some microphone like that. I, it's it's crazy to think about what a difference a little thing like that could make. And then like this room, it's you know it's got like the the egg carton soundproof. Yeah, yeah. It. So it's it's pretty cool in that regards too. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the uh, the well produced family hour today. <laughs> and uh, subscribe. Uh, hit us up on iTunes. You can find us on the web. And uh, you know, feel free to leave a comment if you like, if or if you don't like. Quite frankly, it's an internet comment section. That's what it's for. So, uh, <laughs> so check us out, Danny. Thanks again, and uh, Stephen. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we will see everybody later. <laughs>